Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast, where we believe that lifelong learning and relentless determination are essential to developing your passions and reaching your goals. Here to help you along the way are the hosts of the show. Take it away, ladies. Hey, y'all. I'm Brooke. And I'm Farron. As educators and high achievers, we're passionate about providing our listeners with effective strategies to help navigate life's obstacles and reach your goals sooner. Join us as we break down credible research that gives you a fresh perspective and challenges your limiting beliefs. Laugh and grow as we share personal anecdotes and interviews from people that have demonstrated what it takes to be successful. By implementing these practices, you will develop your unique skill set and learn how to better serve your community. Get your mind right. And enjoy this time designed just for you. Ooh-wee! It's episode 53. We did that because it rhymed. I know. <laughs> what if it's, it was 54? Then it would be knocking at your door. Dang. So, good. five, six, pick up sticks. I'm just going to go with that. I'm sure rhyme. <laughs> anyway, episode 53. It's a listener's choice episode, which means our listeners have reached out to us and said, hey, we want to hear more on this topic. And so we figure out who experts are and who know more and can speak into that. So today we have Wiley and Tiffany Vonner. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us on the show today. So first, we want to start off by saying uh, we want to do a good job of listening. We may ask clarifying questions just so that we can understand better, our audience can understand better. And today we're talking about how to have a mindset shift and a heart shift in order to be the change we want to see in the world. So right now, um, it's coming to fruition, some things that are like some frustrations from different groups of people, like um, you guys are going to speak into that. So we, on our end, want to do our best to support. So we want to do that. Our audience is made up of people who want to do what's right, who love Jesus or looking to love Jesus and who want to make a positive impact on the world. So we're going to sit back and listen to you guys. So Tiff, the other, why don't you guys start off with like, who are you and what what your occupation, your family life. Tell us about yourselves. Uh, my name is Tiffany. I'm a nurse, a transplant coordinator. We have three kids. We are super busy. <laughs> People have been so upset about this quarantine and staying at home, but I can honestly say it's been kind of a relief. Our kids have been able to get back to the basics. I think it's allowed us to have time to spend a little bit more time to spend with God. And um, normally we don't even have time to, for the kids to learn how to ride bikes and things like that. So now we actually have time for that. Um, but I don't know why I just went off on that tangent, but that's who I am. Yeah. Um, I'm Wiley. I'm a uh, high school teacher coach. I'm an educator. Um been married to Tiffany for 10 years now. And like she said, we have three kids. And um, that's yeah, basically a little bit about me. I'm an old East Texas boy. <laughs> so. I love it. so we have public servants here, an educator and someone who's in the medical field. So I think y'all are the perf- absolute perfect people to talk to about what is kind of going on. And we want to hear what you and your hearts have to say. So again, feel free to share stories if you want or whatever you're feeling. So Tiff, the other day you posted an infographic that was super helpful, not just for me, but I think for a lot of people. And we'll post it in the show notes. It was a picture of a heart, the house, and the world. So will you talk into kind of what that said and what it means to you? It basically says, until you fix your heart 
and address it in your home, nothing can change in the world. And I think that's what you were talking about, like how can we fix our heart? And I think for me, from what I see where the chat, where people face challenges in that is the way that they grew up. How can you change um, how you, how your parents taught you to see the world and how you grew up seeing the world? Even for me, I mean, we all grow up differently. We all have different lives. It's really hard to go outside of your box and think about how someone else is living and the challenges that they may face because that's not something that you face. So I think for me, it's being able to break that mold. It, you know, you may have grown up or been taught one way to see it in a different light. And that's hard when that's you were raised that way your whole life, you're teaching your kids that way. But with the issues that are coming up nowadays, it's racism and that's something that's completely taught. I've done my best and that's what I said in the post. We typically, I was, I was trying to never bring up race. Like if Wiley described somebody as, um, oh, I have this athlete and, and you don't realize how much you use it as descriptors until you try not to do it. He's like, I have this, uh, oh my gosh, this white athlete. He's so good at catching, he's so fast. And I'm like, I look at him like, you don't have to say the word. Like, don't, I didn't want Casey and Emery to hear it. It didn't matter what color they were. Or so we we tried really hard to pull that out of everything. Like, don't talk about it because it doesn't matter. And then there would be times like um Emery went to a predominantly uh, white daycare and she came home one day and said, Mommy, I want to be white. And I said, Okay. Maybe that was just, she just was gonna say that once. She didn't know what she was talking about. So I, said, I explained to her, you're beautiful the way that God made you and you're, you're not white, you're brown, and, but you're beautiful. And, and God makes us different because if everyone was alike, this wouldn't be a fun world. Like I was just telling her the, that to embrace the difference. And so, but I just thought that was an awful, she said it again. And I thought to myself, I never told her she was any different than her best friend. That's just her best friend. So then that kind of, I'm like, well, either her best friend noticed it and said something or somebody had to have told her that, you know? So I had to like rephrase it and let her know it's, you, you all are different, but it's okay. But that's just one example of when I realized I don't think I can ignore it anymore or try not to, um, bring light to it. I just need to let them know that it's okay to be different and it's okay to embrace that change. So right now I am learning myself where I told them to bring, we're trying not to bring up race or things like that, where I need to educate them more about it instead of just kind of avoid it. But that's, that's a change that we're making right now, a, a big change that and conversation that we had with Kaysen recently, which I would have never imagined that I would be having a conversation like this with my seven-year-old, but um, the reality is he could grow up and somebody could see him as a threat just because of his skin color. So, you know, we've been t telling him how smart he has to be, how if he gets in trouble, you know, you can't argue, you can't talk back, you know, if, if someone tells you that you did something, even if you didn't do it, you just have to listen, apologize and move on. Or 
submit for that moment, <clears throat> even if you didn't do it. And it, it, it almost brings me to tears that I would ever have to have that conversation with a seven-year-old. You know, he didn't understand. And when I was trying to tell him why people may see him that way, he's looking at me so confused, like, who cares that I'm brown, you know? And no, I'm, no one should, but I still have to teach you at the same time. Like, he doesn't quite understand it, but I, we have to start now so that um, he, we educate him early on. So when we, this is something that's not going to stop. It's going to be a continued education because we don't want our son to be, if he wore a hoodie um, outside, you know, of our street, of our neighborhood, or, and someone saw him as a threat, or he got pulled over. And, and the other thing is, you, you got to be careful about who you hang around. Like, and he doesn't understand that now either. Maybe you're the only one in the car that looks like you and you could be blamed for something that you didn't do. So you have to be smart in your decisions. But anyways, um, the, that infographic was basically, you know, you just have to change your heart. Well, Tiff, I really like what you said, how you're having the tough conversations on a seven-year-old level. I think a lot of times people try to, they overdo it or they do, they, it's okay to talk to your seven-year-old like a seven-year-old. So I love that that's what you're doing because whenever he's eight, nine, 10, you can still revisit those conversations and add on the layers. So I like how you're addressing um, what's going on and what you want your son to do at a seven-year-old level. That way, when he gets older, he, he's not just now hearing it. It's easier for him to remember because you've been saying it. Um, and I think some people might feel like they need to avoid having those conversations because they're difficult. Um, do you have any resources or like where, how did you approach it? Um, do you have any tips on how you're starting to have these conversations? Well, Wiley stays on social media and his phone. So I think he actually saw something that Wiley was on. So it kind of segued us into having the conversation. Um, I, personally cannot, I do not like confrontation. I do not really care for conversations like that, but we knew it had to happen. So after he kind of asked about it, which we realized, I didn't even realize he was paying attention. Um, it just allowed us to kind of open it up. And Wiley and I looked at each other, like he has been watching, you know, things that Wiley was watching on his phone or whatnot. And we just said, okay, well, now's better we got to do it now or never you know so we just kind of dove on in um i think something that helps um that i saw that my friends have done is um because like i said i don't typically like to address confrontational subjects political politics things like that but um this is just something you know you can't you can't ignore and to see friends and um, people also address it, not ignore it, um, kind of lets me see where they stand, you know? And, and we've had several friends that have reached out to us, um, Brooke and um, many, many other friends that just let us know that they were thinking about us. They were praying for us because they knew that this time was difficult. I even had a coworker tell me, you may not remember this, but um, when the Black Lives Matter uh, started years ago, and I told them that, you know, we were gonna have to start having this conversation with Case, and she thought to herself, wow, that is something I'd never even, and I will never have to have with my sons, 
And um, she just told me that that really resonated with her, um, me bringing that up. So I think people just recognizing that there is an issue, um, something that I think in, in most um, groups that I've seen in on the post that I made, someone put, I would like to make an addendum, all lives matter. And I think um, people are under the misconception that you're saying that all lives don't matter by saying black lives matter. But right now that's, that's the issue at hand. There's so much more death happening. There's, I mean, everybody, people are dying in all races, but we're right now, that's like what I said about our pastor at our church said, you know, there's a community of homes. Every home is important. Every home is valued. But if there is a home on fire, you need to address that home. So that's kind of what Black Lives Matter means. Uh, Black Lives Matter matters means um, it's not saying that anyone else is devalued. It's just saying right now that's something that we have to pay extra attention to because it's not right. And like I said with, with Kaysen, I never thought, I mean, I'm sure our parents never thought that they'd be raising us in a time like this. And I never thought I'd be raising kids in a time like this. And um, I've seen um, people negatively say that just things will never change. And I can't, I can't accept that because I want a better world for my kids. So, you know, and I believe in a God and I believe that, you know, there can be positive changes. So that's my take on, on things. Wiley has a lot to say too, so. <laughs> um, mine's different. And I guess it's because it goes back to experiences. Um, I mentioned earlier, I'm from deep East Texas. And so my upbringing was a little different. Um, I've seen this a lot and I've experienced it a lot. So for me, it's it's not anything new as much. I, I guess you just now in the social media and cell phones and smartphones, we see it a lot more. But growing up in um, East Texas, you know, I can remember playing Friday night football games and traveling and playing on the road. And, you know, and I remember the bus, you know, the football team, cheerleader, whatever. And there's a big sign as you enter, enter town that says, you know, don't let the sun set on your black, you know, yada, yada, yada. And it's funny because I talk, I, I have eventually played ball or I've coached, I coach with a coach and he's like, I remember that sign. I remember this time, you know. Um, so for me, it's a little different. You know, I look at that infographic and my take is a little access different, Tiffany, is it says until you fix it here and you have the heart and address it here and it starts the home. And then that's where you see the picture of the home. For me, it's like we do have to fix the heart. And it's the home that's to me that's messed up. Then that affects the heart. And I think we're at a point in America where we got to fix the home. Then the heart will correct itself. And then you jump to the world. You can't even hardly get to the world right now until you fix it at home. And I think people do it, you know, inadvertently. They don't know. You, you, you don't know, you know. We've had open conversations, which is needed. And that's good, I think, in people's homes that will cleanse their heart. But I'm in a text thread with a, a certain group of individuals who I consider friends, you know, um, and just the other day we had the, the launch of the spaceship, of the, you know, and obviously the protests were going on and an individual made a comment in that text thread and they just said, you know, they were like, I'm glad we get a chance to see this launch, you know, just for one second, I'm glad we get a chance to see this launch to take everybody's mind off of everything that's going on. 
that was a pure innocent comment. Well, somebody else in the text thread responded, who knows, you never know, maybe a protest about that because it's not fair for African-Americans that they didn't get a chance to go to space. I said that right there, that right there. That's a perfect example of what's wrong. But your comment right there to me is why we're in this situation. I was like, you're close to being married, very close to being married. Um, I'm assuming you want to, you and your, your fiance, y'all want to have kids. I said, I have a seven-year-old little boy and he can be playing in the playroom. He can, no, he can be playing in the playroom. He can be, you know, on his Nintendo Switch, but he, he hears things. He hears things all the time because we'll be talking about it and I'll say, you know, hey, we need to go here and or we, we need to go to the grocery store. And 15 minutes later, he'll be like, are we ready to go to the grocery store? And we didn't know he was listening, but he, he hears things. I told him, I said, imagine if you had, if, you guys are gonna bitch me have kids and you make that comment. And, and you're with you're with, you know, a set of Caucasian friends, you're with a set of white friends, and y'all are just having drinks. And deep down in your heart, you know, I, I have I don't have a I don't have a racist bone in my body, but I make a joke like that. And your kids, you know, they're often there. Couple, you know, all of the family friends, all the kids are in the playroom, they're playing. And then as they become teenagers, they make an African American joke. I'm not racist, but this joke is funny. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, it's just sometimes it's, it's embedded and people don't even realize that they embed it in their children. And then that's how we, that's how they end up just growing up. You know, and they'll always go back to the flat like, well, I know I'm not racist, but you make comments that have racial, you know, in the endos, you know, and undertones about it. Um, you know, and like I said, I think we're all guilty of it. We have to be, be conscious. Like if we're gonna, we, we, you know, we're, we're right now talking about maybe moving to a bigger house. You know, and I would never, ever, you know, say the case, I'm going to move because I don't want you at this school or I don't want you over here. I don't like the way this neighborhood, I don't like the way this neighborhood's going. You're setting a precedent because kids are going to be smart. Like, well, well, they're going to look around. Well, what's going on with the neighborhood? Oh, well, we have an African-American family that moved down there. We have an African-American family moved out here. We have, you know, I would, we'd have to put in a way like, hey, case we're moving. Why are we moving? Well, I want to move because I want you to have a bigger yard. It's something we've talked about. I want you to have a bigger yard. I want you to go outside and run around and play more. These streets are wider and you can ride your bicycle here and so forth, you know? And I think people just embed racist things in their kids and they don't realize it. They don't mean to do it. There are some who do, but I think majority of people don't mean to do it, you know? And that's just, the, you know, the world that we grow up in. And it forces us to have conversations like, you know, Trayvon Martin was the first one for me, but like, you mean to tell me like, Kaysen, you know, who every time everybody sees him, he is the most adorable, he's the cutest little boy. But at some point he comes, he goes from being cute to a threat. And when does that happen? Because he gets older. And so if he is, you know, you know, for living in the same neighborhood and he's playing, you know, and like, I'm gonna go to Sloan's house. We're, we're 15 years old. You're riding home and everybody doesn't know, oh, that's Case and Bonner. They just see, well, I know this this neighborhood is majority this. And so, and he's riding home and that doesn't look right. So let me call the cops or let me follow him. And that's not fair to him. The fact that we may be in a position when he turns 16 to get him, I'll just use a Mustang or whatever, all right? Because that's like teenage car or whatever in your mind. Or we may be able to be able to afford a Ford truck and maybe he has a small lift on it or whatever the case may be. But he 
is a target. I can remember having a brand new truck. My parents, they did well. This is East Texas and a cop comes up to me. Normal traffic stop. Well, then here comes another cop. He calls for backup. I'm like, it's just me by myself. I'm traveling home. You know, he's like, is this your vehicle? I'm like, yes, sir. Are you sure? Like, yes. Give your license on the registration. And I give it to him. We'll stay here. And the whole other time, the, the cops flash a light. Makes me get out. Looks under my, looks under my the driver's seat, the passenger seat. Looks in the glove compartment. Then gets, you know, puts me back in the vehicle. You know, obviously I didn't get a ticket, but then I get followed for three or four miles. And like, that's not a normal, that's not a normal stop for everybody. So when we talk about issues that people have, people say, you know, well, everybody goes through that, that basically defeats the whole purpose. You experience a, a lot of different things. And so that's why I feel like it has to start at the whole. And like, you know, Tiff said, I think we're at a time at Crossroads where everybody just has to listen so that you understand because there's a lot of people holding things that you don't know about five or six the last five or six years has been very prominent to hear you know people with the all lives matters you know it, it, it's it's hurtful every life like she said every life matters you know she uses the house example for me the example that i always try to use is my grandfather died, died of leukemia it's a form of cancer and obviously everybody's doing everything they can with cancer research, you know, and when, when somebody dies of cancer, whether it be testicular, prostate, lung cancer, you know, leukemia, it all hurts. But nobody in the world ever st stops and says, wait a minute, in October, this is a bunch of crap. Why are we only celebrating breast cancer? Why is it just a pink ribbon? Why don't we celebrate all cancers? You know, all cancers are meaningful, but we do have a month that's dedicated to breast cancer. And for that month, we want to focus on breast cancer. It doesn't mean that other cancers don't per aren't important or aren't as hurtful. And it's kind of the same thing with Black Lives Matter. You know what I'm saying? All lives matter. To fix the house, I love how you said you mm -hmm. need to watch your words because you might be subconsciously giving and all stuff because you're not focused on exactly what you're saying. You might be speaking before thinking, and that's also in the Bible too. You need to make sure you're thinking through whatever you're going to say, that it's reflecting well and doing all the right things. So I love how you have that mindset approach of watching what you're going to say because it could subconsciously give whatever perceptions to other people that are hearing it or you don't know they're hearing it. I loved your example about how with Casey with the grocery store, uh, that happens all the time. And then to think if it's on the level of something, if you just mention it casually, well, then that kid is going to assume, oh, this is a thing I mentioned casually. Yeah, for sure. So you guys shared, um, you know, the conversations you're having in your home. What conversations would you hope other people are having in their home? Um, Tiffany talked about instead of like not seeing color, like recognizing race. Um, so is that something that you would hope to hear in other households or? Or can you give us like, how, how would us white people talk to our white children about those things like how do we how would how would you guys like us to address it in our homes or in our hearts in our heads once again she said i'm always on the internet i'm always on twitter and i, I saw this the other day it was and i thought it was uh, it was profound i mean i was like oh okay that's good and it was a guy who's like him and his wife they just start talking to their kids they were just showing images we don't feel the need to talk to our kids about social issues until our kids begin to see a difference 
and literally they were showing that it was pictures, they picked four pictures and they were just asking the kids, what do you notice about this picture? And every picture was an African-American little boy and a Caucasian little boy or African-American little girl, white little girl, whatever the case may be. And it showed, it was like, this is where we started it. We started it at four. And they said, what do you see in this picture? And the little girl, their little daughter and their little boy were both like, I see a little girl and a little boy. And then they said, okay, what about the next picture? And he said, I see a little boy and a little girl and they're hugging. What about the next picture? It went to the bottom left. He was like, I see a little boy and a little girl and they're, they're laughing. And the next picture, once I got older, they gave more pictures. And it wasn't until I think the kids were like 10 or 11, 10 or 11, when they were like, what do you notice about the picture? And the little kid said, well, I see a little white boy, a little black boy. And they said, it was at that point. That's when they said, okay, let's address this. You know, because all prior to that, they never saw color. They just described what they saw in the picture, you know, and then they began to have that conversation, you know, about the differences, you know, how everybody should be treated the same, um, you know. So I'm not sure you hate to take the innocence out of kids. I, I just, I hated that we had to have that conversation with Casey at seven and we have to ruin his innocence so when people are like what should we be doing at the house for our kids i think sometimes it's best to just listen to your kids and tell you let them tell you what they see instead of us saying this is what you need to see you know and then you try to teach them they may not even see it right now at some point they will and i think that's when conversations need to be had you know and that's when you want to talk to them about how everybody should be equal you shouldn't see anybody different there, there, you know there's no difference like you said god made us all different you know but he made us at different tones. But from a quality standpoint, we're all the exact same, you know, and we should be treated as such, you know. I think I think um just driving home the issue to love everyone. Yeah. I mean to, to to have a kind heart and to love everyone. Um one of the examples Wiley just used was like wanting a you know, possibly change neighborhoods because you see the neighborhood is changing. Um, that even a something as small as that is teaching them to fear when a neighborhood starts to change, when they see people around changing and instilling that fear because of the way someone looks is kind of where, you know, that's just where you, you don't see it, but that's where things start. And when you start fearing somebody because of the way that they look without getting to even know them, is that's just contributing to the issue. So just instilling a loving heart and, and a kind heart is, I think, the best thing that you can do. And I pray, like I said, people want to be negative about it and just say, this is the way it's been. It will never change. And you just kind of got to accept it and move on. And I think that's why we are where we are now. People are tired. People can't, um, people don't understand the protest. And I, I don't necessarily, you know, we don't agree with the looting, but people are tired. They don't feel like they're being listened to. They don't feel like change is happening. So it's they're doing it the way that they that they know or the way that they feel that somebody will listen. Um, it's hard, you know, it, it is extremely hard. Um, you know, like she said, we don't agree with deluding or anything like that, but it is frustrating. I mean, and everybody wants to always go back to the Martin Luther King, <laughs> you know, I think that's, you know, peaceful. yeah, I think that's their go-to. Well, Martin Luther King did it peacefully. Martin Luther King was assassinated. <laughs> 
at, at the end of the day, he was shot and killed. You know, he tra- he did it peacefully, but he was shot and killed. He did it peacefully. He was, you know, hosed down. Or he was had he had dogs a- a- attacked to him, you know, or, or he was being attacked by dogs. And so I know everybody goes goes to that as their go to, like, well, look what MLK did. He made a change, but it cost him his life. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not sure people wanna wanna. I don't know. It's, it's different. It's completely different. And you ha- you had somebody, you know, that I felt like who was trying to do it peacefully five or six years ago. And it cost him his job, his livelihood. And he was ridiculed, drugged through the media. Everybody killed Colin Kaepernick for that. Killed him for it. And now everybody's like, why can't we just do it peacefully? Why, why does everybody want to fight? Well, you weren't saying that five or six years ago. Five or six years ago, it was made to be about the flag. When he specifically told you, he met with a Green Beret who told him, I fought for your freedom to do that. But what I ask is, just don't sit on the bench. Don't sit down and be all lax doing it. Take a knee, you know. And he even, Nate Boyer even went out with him the very first game that he took a knee. A lot of people don't really, you have to go back. Nate Boyer went on the sideline and stood with him, a green braid, you know, and Navy Steel and stood with him and said, okay, this is the way we should do it. And then he walked off, then he walked off the field. African Americans are like, peacefully didn't work, you know, and so they want their voice heard. And it, although I don't agree with the looting, I understand why they're doing it. I do, you know, they want to be heard. And so I just, I don't know. It's hard. It is. It is extremely hard. And I think we just have to be conscious of how, of how we raise people. It goes back to what she said, you know, with the neighborhood. That That's a hard one. It is. It is extremely hard because they, everybody wants what's best for their family. They want to put their kids in the best situation. You know, when your kids grow up and they walk outside and they see these, this is what I'm accustomed to. This is where the home, the homes I'm accustomed to. I go to school, I go to class. This is, these are the type of people that I'm accustomed to. And you have to be very careful not to put down neighboring, you know, communities, schools, or whatever in the best way you can while still trying to protect your children, you know, and put them in the best situation. It's a, it's a very thin line. Even Wiley and I, our, our experience um, because of our parents is different than what other people are experiencing. So we even have to take a look back and say, you know, there's people that didn't have like, well, I mean, I had a single mom, but there's people who didn't even have what we have. And because of um, classism and and racism, and they just didn't even have the opportunities that we had. So there's people that are struggling even more than we are to to break out of of the chains. So I think it's it's really about just looking not teaching it in your home and looking in your heart to find the change. I think that goes back to, and this is kind of veering off a whole nother road, but she said, or Tiffany mentioned earlier, she said we have to have the talk with Casey. I'm like, you have to be smart. You have to do this and do that. And that kind of goes back to that systematic racism, if you will, you know, when a lot of people are like, I don't, I don't see, you know, the white privilege. It goes back to listening when people are like, well, I don't know. I don't understand what this what, what white privilege is, you know, or I don't see this. There's a million different ways, you know, or examples, you know. But I just feel like when we come to a when we come to a place where people just listen and they kind of understand where everybody's going through, I think we'll get better, you know, we'll, we'll move forward. 
we've gotten to a place where there is a lot of racism. And I think sometimes the media plays a part in that. I, I do. Um, I think politics, unfortunately, plays a really, 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 really huge part in that. Um, and so for me, I just think we, we get better when people go back to their, their childhood selves before you knew anything else, before you knew about Republican, Democrat. You know in your heart what someone says isn't right or what somebody's doing isn't right, you know, or the way people are being treated. You, you got to speak up. You got to speak out. I think for a lot of African Americans to see individuals that they consider friends for so long not speak out, not say anything and hide behind the fact that, well, I've been really busy or I haven't had time to even look at social media, log on to Facebook. Like, it's hard for us to buy that, you know, especially we've been on quarantine. <laughs> you know, everybody's been at home, you know, to sort of sit and be like, I don't know what's going on. It, it, it's it's hurtful, you know, at the end of the day, it is, it, it's hurtful, you know, and, you know, especially maybe I'm, I don't know, Maybe I'm being pessimistic, but I feel like when all this passes and all this moves on, you know, and we get closer, you know, to the election time, I feel like people will come out of the shadows and I will reflect back on this. I will reflect back on this time when people didn't say anything and they weren't speaking up when that was going on. But now, you know, we have this huge election coming up and everybody's out here and they're on social media and they're saying how they feel you know, and how they view, and how they view themselves. And, you know, for me, I'll be looking at what's right and what's wrong. You know what I'm saying? And that's what's right and what's wrong. And I just think people have to go back to that. We have to be vocal. And I think people are nervous. I think they're scared. I, I feel like a lot of people don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And I don't know how to say it. How's it going to be perceived? Are people going to think it's a dog and pony show? Or if I say this, do I have extended family members and extended friends that are going to call me out behind closed doors or text me like, why would you do that? It's, you know, you have to get away from that. You have to go with your heart. This is right. This is what's right. And this is wrong. I'm staying away from wrong and I'm going to do what's right. A follow-up question, like how have you felt the most support or how have people engaged in conversations with you? Like you said, they might not know the right way to go about it. Um, so in your personal experience, how have you felt the most support or appreciated the way a conversation was? The most support held? for me personally that I felt are the people that when it all, I had one individual when it first, very, very first started, the very first day that texted me. Um, and then after that, it was, I think, once the protests started happening and I started going to Facebook, because I'm a little different than Tiffany. She's like, I hate being confrontational for me. I'm like, I'll take stuff head on. That's just who I am. You know, you like me or you love me or you hate me, you know, but that, it is what I, it is what it is. And people just kind of started reaching out. But that was to me was the most meaningful when they text or called and the best ones, they just listen. They heard my fears and my concerns for cases more so because I'm raising a little African-American boy. So they heard those fears. And, and then from there it went to I didn't realize I was doing that, but you're right. I have done things like that, and I'm sorry. I can't tell you how many people I've had that, like, my views of what Kaepernick was doing has completely changed, you know? And those are the ones that I feel like are at least making a conscious effort to try 
then go back and try to at least clean their heart and get back to their pure heart. And once that once that gets fixed, then the house their homes will get fixed. So. I think I think the way that um, that I've appreciated the most is hearing friends say that they will try their best to raise their kids not to be to um, see others that way because then that lets me know that my kids stand a future in in the world being better. So hearing that they are going to try their best to remove the um, the negative thoughts of other races or um, things like that out of their home, that affected me the most because, you know, our kids are what mean the most to us. We want better for our kids than what we have for ourselves, right? So if, um, you know, they try to instill that kind heart, that loving heart in their kids, then I know that they're truly making an effort um, towards things being better. So that, I think that was the way that I saw, um, that affected me the most. And, and uh, obviously, um, friends that I saw that posted about it, um, because I commented, uh, there's so many friends that I see that are, um, that make Christian posts or that make political posts, but then when it came to this, you didn't hear anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Wiley said, you, you know, you could use an excuse of you're not on or um, you're really not on social media at that time, but then you see a, a cute post about their kid or their dog or or whatever, and you're like, oh, okay, you weren't on. or And I don't even get on all that much, but when I would get on, I could see the political posts or, you know, so you could go, you could be controversial, but, um, but. Those to, are the ones that hurt the most to me. I think that did hurt the most because then you, you feel like you can see all of these other things, but you're choosing not to see this um, or, or you're, you don't understand that it's an issue or you don't acknowledge it it's, or, you know, by not reaching, you haven't reached out to me. You haven't made a post when you make, post every day or weekly, you know, it's just like, okay, wow. Just kind of makes you um, kind of re- reevaluate things. Cause I always, uh, like Wiley and I said, he, we're so different. Mm-hmm. I see the good in people first most of the time and until I'm hurt. And then I see that maybe somebody didn't have the best intentions. He sees like, and, and like, like somebody's I, gonna hurt you. Like they're they're guilty <laughs> until proven innocent. I'm Not, more like, you know, I'm so. like my, for me, it's like my guard's more. You may, may never know that, like, and oh, then, man. But I guess it goes back to being how East, we were raised. How I was raised in East Texas. I'm like, you know, yeah, they're awesome. They're cool. But at some point, I feel like a true color because at some point I was always showing a true color, whether it be through an argument or something. Like, wow. That's how you feel. Or and see, I like think that. I'm just and naive so enough. I'm like naive that. enough to to tell Wiley. I'm like, I really felt like it, it's funny because I guess when I was in high school, this stuff existed, but I really didn't feel it. I mean, and looking back now, I, I do remember um, guys I went to high school with saying things like, oh, if, uh, if I were black, you know, ooh, you're pretty for a black girl. Not just, ooh, you're pretty, you're pretty for a black girl. Or um, if I were a black guy, I'd date you, you know? And I just didn't even think anything of it. Um, but now looking back, I'm like, well, you could have dated me, period. Or I could have just been pretty. It's just funny to, you know, we were raised different, but, um, and, and Wiley always tells me it's been here, but it's funny because I thought I didn't feel like it's as bad as it is now. And um, 
but maybe it is because of people's opinions and social media and really just having those outlets. That's a really big takeaway I got just now, Tiffany, is, you know, we talk about not making a choice is a choice. And here you're saying, you know, when you're not saying anything, it's still communicating mm-hmm. something. So while you might say, I'm not communicating because I'm afraid of not saying the right thing or this or that, by saying no response, it still communicates a response. Warley, I feel like you said the fears in people's heads exactly right. Like, what if I say the wrong thing? What if my second, my great aunt, whatever says what, you know, but you have to get back to the heart issue. Is this right or wrong? Is this what Jesus would do? Yes? No? Okay. And then that's going to manifest itself in your home. And I like how y'all both have y'all are both approaching it two different ways and it's taking care of the same thing. Like Tiff, you're starting with the heart and you're starting with the home, Wiley. And together y'all are making the world (laughs) one human at a time. It's just, it's sad to me. And sometimes I hate even thinking about it because it brings tears to my eyes that like Wiley said, the the innocence in Kaysen is so real. And um, you just, you know that, the, the hatred and, and the, um, the racism is taught because I can see it in his eyes. He doesn't understand what I'm talking about right now, but, but we have to plant that seed early because um, we just don't want him to end up in a, in a situation where he, you know, he could possibly die. And the, the part that hurts the most is to know that he could do all of the things that we say and it could still happen. You know, I can, teach you to to be smart to be strategic to do as you're told and that may not be enough you know it just hits home I think it's just good for people to understand that others are going through things that are real and that they're valid um right now and just maybe it's not happening to you but it it is happening um just know that somebody really is hurting and it may not be you but it but it is affecting others. And you, like you said, you just have to take the godly approach. If you're doing and loving as God says, tells you to and teaches you in the Bible, um, then everything just goes accordingly. Thanks, Tiffin Wiley, again, for being on the show. This is episode 53. This is a listener's choice episode about what is going on today in this world and this time. Yes, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Thank Thanks you for, for having Thank us. Thank you for having us. We love you too. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast. Join us at wittyandgritty.blog, where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our blog, and listen to more episodes. We have a Facebook group out there just for you, for discussion, support, and community. If you have any questions, reach out. We'll be right there.